Hi, this is Sunny, and this is a Sunny Look at the Bible. Okay, Deuteronomy 28, although I know we are in Revelation 12, chapter 12, but I, I want to point out something. So, the United States is not referred to in the Bible. In fact, the reason I want to talk about that, this is because in Revelation 12, 13 and 14, it begins to talk about countries. In fact, later, I think it's chapter 16 or 17, it talks about Magog and Gog, which are Russia. And Persia, we will talk about today, Persia became Iran. So, we're starting to see in Revelation as we move forward specific countries that are are spoken of, but the USA is never. United States or anything that became the United States is not spoken of. Okay, but here is the thing about the United States. The United States is a country that did start out of a desire for spiritual freedom, for not just spiritual, anything goes, but a a conservative, a foundational, a fundamental Christian desire to be free to worship as we wanted. And so we could very much be considered an extension of Israel, for sure. That's why Israel uh, has the United States backing them. And uh, we have a lot of Jewish people who live in America. I mean, we have pockets in the United States. Williamsburg, which is kind of part of Brooklyn, New York, has as large of a population as outside anywhere outside of Israel. I think only Jerusalem has a larger population and not by much. And so the USA, though, wants the blessings that are promised all throughout the Bible and in Revelation. The USA does. We do. Uh, we do still consider ourselves a Christian nation because we were founded on uh, Christian principles. And to the point that if you go to Washington, D.C., and you go, I'm a fan of D.C. I always wanted to live there. I Sean knows it's my favorite city. Uh, when you go into certain buildings in United in Washington D.C., there are uh, Moses with the Ten Commandments painted in the ceiling, on in on the doors, in the tile. Uh, there, there is very much a uh, a desire that our country started on and continues. But the USA does want blessing. We do. But I want to look at that the blessings that Deuteronomy 28 promised. It says in 28.9, If you obey the commands of the Lord, your God, and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. And remember, when Jesus came, he said he was here for the Jews and the Gentiles. No, we're not Jewish, but we're Gentiles. So Gentiles and Jews all over the world have this same promise. That's the promise. But we want like the kind of blessing of God's chosen people. Why wouldn't we? We're America. Verse 14, skip down. You must not turn away from any of the commands I am giving you today, nor follow in after other gods and worship them. This goes along with the verse like in 2 Chronicles 7, 14 and Daniel 9, 18 and 19, if you're taking notes, where you've heard, if my people who are called by name, my name will humble themselves and worship me, then I will heal their land. You hear a lot of Americans say that. You hear a lot of Christians say that. That's also right here in Deuteronomy 28, 14. But listen, if we want the blessings, we also have to realize we receive the curses if we don't 
do as we're commanded. So 2815 of Deuteronomy says, but if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. Let me just point out a few of the curses and tell me this doesn't make you, your skin crawl a little. Uh, this would be like apocalyptic signs like we're talking about in Revelation is why I'm pointing it out. Uh, Deuteronomy 28.20, the Lord himself will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in everything you do. Talk about a frustrating time. Until at last you are completely destroyed by doing evil and abandoning me. The Lord will afflict you with diseases until none of you are left in the land. You are about to enter and occupy. The Lord will strike you with wasting diseases, fever and inflammation, with scorching heat and drought, and with blight and mildew. These disasters will pursue you until you die. I'm just going to skip around. 27, verse 27. The Lord will afflict you with the boils of Egypt, with the tumors, scurvy, and the itch from which you cannot be cured. The Lord will strike you with madness, blindness, and panic. I want to pause there. Mental illness is was at an all-time high and it is uh it is it is far greater right now in fact uh overdose drug overdose and we're not talking heroin cocaine all of that drug overdose from depression suicide well it wouldn't be suicide depression antidepressants anti-anxiety medication overdose uh deaths is now double the uh the amount of vehicle death, which vehicle deaths have always been high. There will be every year for the last multiple years, I looked this up, every year there have been 100,000 people or more die in the United States per year from drug overdose. Again, we're talking people are overdosing on medications that are supposed to help, help their anxiety and their mental illness. Again, 28, 28 says, the Lord will strike you with madness, blindness, and panic. You will grope around in broad daylight like a blind person groping in the darkness, but you will not find your way. You will be oppressed and robbed continually. And robbed continually, we're talking robbed of your joy, your peace, and no one will come to save you. I had a lady reach out to me and say, Sonny, I can't do this. I, I'm having very, like, very bad thoughts about hurting myself. And of course, I you know prayed for her and I gave her resources. I looked her up further on my Facebook page. On her Facebook page, she has kids. And like, this is the thing that people are going through right now. And my heart breaks for it. You will, this verse 30, you will be engaged to a woman, but another man will sleep with her. You will build a house, but someone else will live in it. You will plant a vineyard, but you will never enjoy its fruit. Okay, two things about that. You will be engaged to a woman, but another man will sleep with her. Many people are struggling with their fiance or their boyfriend or girlfriend was having an affair before they ever got married. More and more I'm hearing about people that are are married so short because the truth came out once they were married or they don't get married because they're already cheating on one another. You will build a house, but someone else will live in it. I think about the market crash of 2008, and I think about how that's still going on, that people are 
are building and then never can afford to stay in their home, the economy that's going up and down. Then um, last one I'm going to talk about is 43. The foreigners living among you will become stronger and stronger while you become weaker and weaker. You will, they will lend money to you, but you will not lend to them. They will be the head and you will be the tail. I think about China. Uh, right now it's a wake up call for us to have to get van ventilators, which now uh, in Europe, they said that 250 ventilators actually were the cause of death from um, that were made in China because they weren't they weren't put together right. It wasn't working. And how many people during this pandemic have died while on ventilators? We're told they're on longer, but most are dying once put on a ventilator. And 250 of these ventilators, doctors in Europe are saying those were China's fault. I mean, j just insane. So. Let's go to Revelation 12. Uh, we're going to talk about what the symbolism is because it's major. It's major and it does affect us. And it is part of what we're going through today. Chapter 12. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, the two witnesses that were killed and then resurrected. They were murdered in the streets, resurrected. And we were shown that not by war was God's mission done through them, but by their death and by the love and the warning that they showed. Uh, we talked about a few different sets of seven so far. We talked about the seven uh, trumpets we talked about before that, the seven seals. We're going to talk about the seven signs today. And so these are signs or symbols. And one of them, symbols or symbolic things, is the woman. So I'm going to read starting chapter 12, verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and her head a garland of 12 stars. I sent you uh, in an email this week, any of you who are already registered for my life group, I sent you this kind of glossary of terms, but I'm going to go over it again. The great sign introduces the first of the seven signs of this woman, but also we're going to talk in these verses about a woman who represents Israel, the dragon who represents Satan, the man-child who refers to Jesus, the angel Michael who is head of the angelic host, the offspring of the woman who are representing Gentiles uh, who come to faith in the tribulation and at any point that they're offered. It's not just, so it's going to talk about the women, the woman who is Israel. She is chosen. They are chosen. Then also the offspring are the Gentiles. So it's saying that it's for Jews and Gentiles. Then the beast of the sea represents the Antichrist. The beast of the earth represents the false prophet who promotes and helps the Antichrist. Okay, so you'll see this. It's an unholy trinity we're going to talk about. But let's start with the woman. A woman clothed with the sun. John plainly said that this is a sign. So we don't want to expect that the woman will literally appear on earth. Women, though, represented religious systems in Revelation. In fact, here's a couple examples. Jezebel is associated with a religious system promoting false teaching in Revelation 2.20. The great harlot is associated with false religion. That's Revelation 17.2. The bride is associated with the church. That's Revelation 19, which we'll get to next week. So a woman clothed with the sun, what does this mean? The woman has been associated with many different religious ideas. So for Roman Catholics, for Catholics, and we live in a very Catholic city here in Green Bay, they would claim that this woman is Mary. She's pictured as the queen of heaven. Uh, but Mary Baker Eddy, and she's the founder of Christian Science, she would say that she was this woman. She's a cult. 
We know that. Okay, but it is common that Catholic art does represent Mary as standing on a crescent moon with 12 stars around her head. Here's the thing, it's not Mary. Scripturally, the woman was clothed with the sun. She would be identified with Israel. Let's think about Joseph's dream in Genesis 37, 9 through 11. I give you the verses so you can write them out to the side if you have time. In that dream, the sun represented Jacob, the moon represented Joseph's mother, Rachel, and the 11 stars were the sons of Israel, which bowed down to Joseph. So those 11 stars uh, were, they, those brothers made up what would be Israel, the tribes of Israel that all other generations have come from. Um, Joseph is now among the other tribes of Israel, so it's 12 stars. Okay, then there's other Old Testament passages that Israel is often represented as a woman. Okay, I want to point out, I did, I mean, I was so knee deep, I would call it neck deep in the, I was, okay, I was 12 hours in chapter 12. I mean, 12 hard hours of just like my eyes just getting tired and taking so much in. I was eight hours in chapter 13. I was another eight hours in chapter 14. And so I've read, I've watched, I've listened. I want you guys to write this down. I don't want you to... Um, get too far in the weeds on Google, but this was super interesting. On September 23rd, 2017, that was when the there was the eclipse. Do you remember that? Some believe that the tribulation began on September 23rd, 2017, which obviously the rapture has not happened. I'm believing more and more that we will see signs before we're raptured for that last call. Um, I believe that we're seeing signs that we've seen before, but God is ramping it up because he wants to make the last call before the rapture. Uh, like we've talked every week, there's the tension between he's long suffering and he's patient, but also he wants to come quickly and take his church. And so on September 23rd, 2017, some believe that the tribulation began. And the reason, and they thought probably back in 2017, the rapture would come really quick. This is why. Because the woman who astronomy and astrologers, and the difference is astronomy is the study of the universe and the contents outside the earth's atmosphere uh, because astronomers examine the positions and motions and properties of celestial objects. I mean, there were astronomers who found Jesus in Bethlehem because they followed the star. It's, it's not uncommon that you look to the stars and the sun and the moon, all that. Astrology, though, is, is the study of how these positions, motions, and properties affect people on um, and events on Earth. That's what we're not to get wrapped up in, into astrology, that we're trying to read the stars and read into the stars. But astronomy said that if that the woman Virgo and Leo the lion, so this is even a Christian philosophy, that because th those have been related to Leo the lion and, and the woman Virgo, that the woman on September 23rd, 2017, Virgo was covered by the sun. First time that had happened where also the lion contained all of the other planets and the Virgo woman was standing on the moon at that time. Okay, side note, fire, earth, and moon in Jewish history was considered to be earthly. Fire, earth, and moon to, was considered to be earthly, whereas when you're clothed in sun or the sun was considered to represent God and everything related to God. So that's why there's a lot to learn just in that. But let's go on. The woman gives birth. Then 
being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth, it says. Being with child, let's talk about that. It's clear that the child born of Israel is Jesus. It says she bore a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Uh, but I I also want to point out the rod of iron uh the, or rule the nations, actually the Greek word for rule was to shepherd. So the male child was here to shepherd all the nations. The rod of iron is to shepherd us with the truth, okay? So she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. The pain described refers to the travail of Israel at the time of Jesus' birth because they were under Roman occupation and oppression. Of course, you could also point it back to Eve that she gave birth and she was told, now you're going to suffer through birth. It's paralleling all of this. Of course, we know that the Bible is clear. Everything is woven together. And so it's basically both. Let's move on. The dragon. Now, because it says in verse three, and another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and 10 horns and seven diadems on his heads. So another sign appeared in heaven. We're on the second sign of seven now. We're reminded that this is a sign. He makes it clear. John makes it clear. The creature was not literally a great fiery red dragon, uh, but the dragon represented the nature and character. His description one person said symbolically suggests his fierce power and murderous nature, a picture of the fullness of evil. What are seven diadems on his head? The dragon it's showing had great power, seven heads, 10 horns, which claim royal authority. He wants to be considered king. But Google told me that a diadem is a jeweled crown or headband worn as a symbol of sovereignty. So he's wanting to appear like he's royal. Next verse, his tail, tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. His tail was drew a third of the stars of the heaven. We know that the Bible was clear that one third of the angels, they, they rebelled and went with Satan with the devil, they became his demonic spirits when he was cast out of heaven. Next part of the verse, to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now this is jumping to Jesus is born and immediately Satan was there ready to kill the baby. Herod was there ready to kill Jesus. When he heard that the wise men and the star watchers were going to Jesus, he told them, he brought them to him, King Herod. And he said, who was in cahoots with the royal government, with the Roman government. He told them, go and find where that child is. I'll give you a reward. Kill him. That's why Mary had to flee to Egypt, Mary and Joseph, as had been very common throughout the Old Testament. You either flee to Egypt or you're taken to Egypt uh, in exile. And so this is saying, pointing to that. Next verse. She bore a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. A male child to rule. I talked about that, but it's referring to Jesus, obviously. Um, although, like I said, in Greek, rule actually means to shepherd all the nations. Uh, rule all the nations and uh, Jesus, this is referring to his birth. This is the starting point, and it's also alluding to Jesus' earthly work uh, that it becomes, he is coming from a line of Israel. So that's why we can couple the woman gives birth 
to Jesus, but she is Israel because Jesus comes from the line of Israel. He was Jewish. Okay, then a male child. Let's point out the male part of this. It's obviously Jesus. This means that the woman cannot be the church. Some would say that the woman isn't representing Israel, but it's representing the church. But Jesus gives birth to the church. So she couldn't she couldn't be the church giving birth to a male child. It's the other way around. The woman uh, is either is either Mary, and at one point, obviously, is Mary, or Israel. Okay, the woman, then the woman fled into the wilderness where she is placed, she has a place prepared by God that she, they should feed her there 1,260 days. Now, this is where it can get confusing. The woman is persecuted by the dragon, but the woman is protected by God and and a place is prepared for her. But what about the days, the, the 1,260 days? What we do know is that this may be a reference to the three and one half year period that connects this to the final seven years in Daniel 9, that prophecy, because that would be exactly three and a half years. Uh, again, this would be about Israel, not about Mary. We know we don't know how long Mary and Joseph were in Egypt. I mean, I wanted to figure that out. Like, did they come back from Egypt when Jesus was three and a half? I, I didn't find that in anything. But when Daniel says there'll be a three and a half year period, that's talking about Israel and being persecuted, but being protected uh, during that. So that's where I also think that there's evidence for a mid-trib rapture. Because if there's seven years of tribulation and there's a three and a half year in the wilderness being persecuted but being protected and the place being prepared for by God, I wonder if that's pointing to it. Now, that's me coming to that conclusion. I didn't read a lot about that specifically, but it was pointing back to Daniel 9 and that prophecy, if you want to write that down. Uh, prepared uses the same ancient Greek word Jesus used in I go to prepare a place for you, John 14, 2 through 3. This demonstrates that God's careful planning works on earth as well as in heaven. Okay, let's move on to the next verse. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Like they were kicked out of heaven and they tried to fight for probably their right back they, ha they, they didn't get it, uh, uh, a place in heaven. Uh, it says a war broke out. Again, at midpoint of the great tribulation is when this happens. God will turn the tide against Satan, first in heaven, then on earth. A battle will take place that will deny Satan access to heaven. Michael and his angels, some groups like Seventh-day Adventists, Jehovah Witnesses, insist on saying that Michael is actually Jesus. This is wrong, completely wrong. Some say Michael, Michael must be Jesus because he has his angels. It says Michael and his angels. But if Satan has a bunch of fallen angelic beings and those are his angels, why can't Michael have unfallen angels? He can. Some say Michael may be Jesus because his name means one like God. But again, Jesus doesn't have to say I'm like God. He is God. Some also say Michael must be Jesus because he is called the archangel in Jude 9, which means leaders or leader or prince among the angels. And they say that only Jesus is the leader of the angels. But again, Michael is in uh, Daniel 10, 
throughout Daniel 10, chapter 10, is called the prince among others, an angelic prince or an archangel. Okay, some say, again, I mean, there's a big speculation. I don't know why this is so important, but some say that Michael must be Jesus because Paul says that at the rapture, the Lord will call his people with the voice of an archangel. But Jesus can use an angel to call out for his people without being that angel. Basically, the angels do his work. So I'm going to move on from that. Uh, Michael and his angels, we're clear, it is Michael, fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought. Satan and the demons. Satan is the dragon, okay? So who fights in the battle? This is truly a battle between equals. This is Michael and the angels, and this is Satan and the demons. This is not the final battle where God steps in, because there wouldn't even be a fight at that point, which happens later. The dragon is Satan. Revelation 12, 9 makes that clear. And Satan is not a counterpart to God. So when the battle is fought, the battle occurs at the midpoint of the seven-year period. Now, 2017, today we're 2020, September 23rd. Um, if the, the tribulation started September 23rd, 2017, somebody do the quick math, what would be the midpoint of that, that there would be a battle? Now, we wouldn't be a part of the battle. The battle would be going on in heaven, okay? Okay. Uh, so it says, at that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. I'm sorry, I'm in Daniel 12. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. So this is, this to me is pointing to after that, the rapture. Okay, again, we don't see rapture in the book of Revelation, so I can't be sure of that. No one can be. Let's move on in Revelation next verse. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So you may wonder, wait, I thought he was cast out before that. The single verse uses many different titles for the spiritual enemy, dragon, serpent of old, the devil, Satan, he who deceives the whole world. Uh, so you can wonder, well, what are we talking about? I thought he was cast out early on. There's actually four different falls of Satan. And he may have been, he was cast, his angels were cast, um, he was cast to the earth. His angels were cast out with him. It doesn't say out of heaven, let's be clear. So there's four ways in which we can see this symbol that he was cast to the earth. Uh, number one, he uh, was in Ezekiel 28, 14 and 16. It says that he was cast out. Um, in Job 1 through 12, it says that he, he was cast out from having access to heaven and he was restricted to earth. Uh, we don't, okay, so if you look up Job and some of you might say, but I remember in Job that, um, Satan was allowed to, to, um, approach God at, of the throne. But it also says that, God had others who approached him in Job, and it never says he was in heaven. So maybe angelic beings and demons on earth and even Satan were able to approach God and say, and God were to say, hey, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? But here's the interesting thing, side note about Job. Job is the oldest book of the Bible. 
So we know in the beginning was Genesis and all of the beginning of creation. We get that. But the oldest book of the Bible written is Job. It actually was written before Genesis. So that doesn't mean that Genesis and the stories of Genesis didn't happen chronologically before the stories of Job. But what that means is it was very early on. So with God's grace, and I'm totally speculating, did Job or did Satan have the ability to approach and says he roamed to and fro on the earth? Did he at that time still have the ability to approach, maybe even access heaven to ask God? Or was he accessing God on earth? But at that point, he then was restricted to the earth forever. The third time he was cast down from the earth to the bondage, um, to bondage to the bottomless pit for a thousand years. That comes up in Revelation 20, we'll still talk about. And then in Revelation 20, we also see he was um, sent to the pit of the lake of fire. Okay. In Luke 10, 18, you might want to mark this down. In Luke 10, 18, it says, Jesus said, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. This refers either to the first fall of Satan from the glorified to the profane, meaning from, from Lucifer to Satan when he was cast out. Luke may have just been seeing a vision. Or it's a forward prophetic look to the second fall and at the midpoint of the seven-year tribulation period. Again, we're still thinking midpoint of the tribulation. Okay, next verse. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You've heard that, right? You've heard that in church. And they did not love their lives to death, meaning they martyred. They were martyred. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and who come to dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Remember the woe, the woe trumpets? Uh, they're like the latter trumpets. It's like you've been given sign and plague and sign and sign. And now you're at the woe. And so woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. Again, the earth and the sea represent the earthly, worldly thing to Jewish people, whereas the sun represented God. So woe to the inhabitants of those who love the world and the earth and this everything that's in it. For the devil has come to come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. So it, I want to point out that says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. The blood overcomes Satan's accusations. They mean nothing when his accusations mean nothing when we accept the blood of Jesus shed for us. Side note on trans, on uh, being tran, well, the word transubstantiate, I can't, I can't say it now. Um, transubstantiate, I still can't say it. Basically the term, it's do, when the Eucharist in the Catholic church is done, they believe that the body and I don't know why I can't spit this out. Transubstantiate. There it is. Transubstantiate. Wish we could edit that out. That what happens is the body, when we take it in of the bread and then the wine, the blood, we actually are ingesting the blood and the body of Jesus. Here's the thing. There's never been anywhere in the Bible it says anything about that. And in fact, 
if Christ's blood was required for the forgiveness of our sins, he didn't have enough blood nor molecules. So scientists would say, how can that be? Because of course, scientists are trying to prove or unprove. We are not. And because we're in a very Catholic context here, I wanted to make it clear that we do not, when we take communion or the Eucharist, we are not ingesting or when it hits our mouth or our body, we are not ingesting the physical flesh and blood of Jesus. I, that is not anything that is biblical. Okay, so let's move on. Um, I want to go to, they overcame him. They did not love their lives to the death. So basically, this is what we've been saying all along, is that, is that we're not going to beat Satan now. We're not going to beat uh, the atheist or the unbelievers or the skeptics through hate, through war, through military conquest. It's going to be through the love of us and that we show that and share that. Like Jesus came and said, just kill me, just kill me. And the witnesses, they were murdered. And people believed because they murdered and they rose again. And to me, that's a picture of we may be persecuted, murdered. We may be shut out of our churches right now. But how we win is by reacting in love, not reacting in vengeance or evil or nastiness. And what's going to happen is that when we, the church, are resurrected in terms of we can go back to doing church or we can do church a new way, that that by our love and the word of our testimony, we are going to be better off and do better. Just as when Jesus said, slaughter me, and yet I come back and I beat you, not with military conquest, but again, still because I was willing to die and be sacrificed. All right, let's move on to where Satan attacks the woman and God protects her. Verse 13 through 16. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to heaven, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished, nourished for a time and a time and a half a time. Like that's very confusing. We'll talk about that from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth, like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. So weird, right? But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Remember the woman is Israel. So let's think about this. Because some teach that the woman is a symbol representing all the people of God, including the faithful Israel and the church, they use this to advance the idea that the church is here during the tribulation period. I believe that. I honestly, as we go forward, and I've tried to keep my opinions out of this, I believe we are in the tribulation. I believe, though, that as we're seeing what Revelations is saying this, um, in all of this, I believe that it's only going to ramp up. I believe that we've seen signs and wonders. I believe that we've seen plagues and we have had warning signs. That's why people have predicted the end of the world for centuries, for centuries and centuries, because they are warning plagues. They are warning trumpets. So what I would say is, yeah, we're a part of the tribulation, but maybe the true tribulation this time, whereas God has allowed trials and tribulation. In fact, in James, it doesn't say because you're going to be in the tribulation, then count it all joy with trials and tribulations. No, he's saying in life, you'll face trials and tribulations and consider it all joy because it matures us. So do I think we've gone through tribulation to this point? Absolutely. Do I think we may be in the actual tribulation? 
I honestly think that if we aren't in the very beginnings of it, that we're close. I do believe that we will go through, the church will go through some of the tribulation prior to the rapture. But because he protects us and sustains us, maybe we won't be as the church being killed or shot in the head for practicing our faith because we're protected as his. Although there are 144,000 that were martyred that are his, that their bodies are dead, but their spirits have a promise. So do I believe that uh, we could be going through the tribulation? I do. But I wonder if the rapture will come before it's just mass chaos. I believe that the worst part of the tribulation will be the last three and a half years. I know Dana asked me that. I still wouldn't say I bet my life on it, um, although this is about your life. I would, you know, are we pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib? Gosh, the more I read this, the more I wonder if we're mid-trib. Now, what I do think is that we could be pre-trib that we're raptured, and God is just good enough to let us have warning signs even before the tribulation comes. Okay, so why does Satan attack the Jewish people? And I want you to know about the water. Like, why is he persecuting through water? Well, because... Uh, did you know that in, let me find my notes here when it says this. Oh, maybe I didn't mark it down. This was so interesting to me that uh, the Jewish people believed that water was, um, was th th that water was scary. In fact, let me just look. I want to take the time. Um, I can't find it here. Um, I'll get to it later. We'll just, we'll just jump to that when we get to it in a minute because we're, we're almost, um, we're almost done with that. So I want to talk about the wings because it says that the woman was given two wings and the eagle's wings are an emblem from the Exodus deliverance. And so that's probably why the, the wings, uh, this is what some have wondered in the Christian and theology community is, uh, they describe a great military transport plane used to evacuate people in an emergency situation. And could that have been symbolic, even though John didn't know what an airplane was? I did discover this, and this is very interesting. At the the bottom of the foot of the, the Mount of Armageddon, and we saw Megiddo, we saw um, in Israel, not far from Mount Carmel, like we physically saw, that is Megiddo. That is where the Battle of Armageddon, if that truly is what that means, will, will happen. There's actually a place where wars happened at Armageddon. There are two runways that run like this at the foot of that mountain. They are six six stories deep and the U.S. military owns them. The U.S. military can land on those pads and then can store the planes six runways deep on both sides. So I learned that after I learned that some believe that the the wings of the eagle or saving people may come from a military transport plane. I'm like, how would John have known that? Yet, who would have thought that the only place there's six feet layers of runway are at the Mount of Megiddo where Armageddon will be fought. Okay, I'm going to have to jump for sake of time. I'm going to have to jump to chapter 13. 
So the beast, I, I told Sean, I said, I can't get through all this. He goes, then don't. Why would you speed through something so interesting? And so maybe we won't get to end at six weeks. Maybe we'll have to do this for seven weeks to get through every chapter. But but I just feel like you have to know every detail. I know I have to. So chapter 13, it says that then I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising out of the sea, having seven heads and 10 horns and on his horns, 10 crowns and on his heads, a blasphemous name. John's vision mainly had heaven in view and, but it sent, but this vision is shifted to earth. And John's vision is that he stood on the sand of the sea. Here it is. So interesting. Many people today, this is about the water, love the sea. But as a whole, the Jewish people in biblical times regarded the sea as a wild, untamed, frightening place. While ancient Israel under Solomon had a navy, the king of Tyre supplied the sailors. They didn't even want to be sailors. There were ports in some, like in Caesarea, we saw there was a port, but the port wasn't created until Herod came in and built up the Caesarea town, because actually the Jewish people regarded the sea as wild. Let's think about it. Uh, the even I mean, we've been to the Sea of Galilee. It's a lake. And when it would get rough, you had the disciples freaking out. You had the Red Sea that was opened up. Uh, the One of their water, bodies of water is called the Dead Sea. Like the sea to them and the sea creatures, uh, they were afraid of them. Those could have been sharks and whales. They were scared. In fact, Psalm 74, 12 through 13 says, for God is my king from of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. You divided the sea by your strength. You broke the heads of the sea serpents in the waters. Basically like save us from the water. So for John to be standing in the sea, it's represent, representing something major to the Jewish people. Remember, this is still a letter to those churches. It says, I saw a beast rising out of the sea from the place identified with evil and chaos and resisting God, a beast comes forth. So a beast comes forth like a sea serpent. Uh, you know, that's what he's thinking. So he exposes himself and this beast is distinct from the dragon in Revelation 12. Although he's a, identified with him, he is not the dragon. This is not Satan. Uh, this, this sea creature or this beast um, is again showing power. This likeness to Satan is one of the things that identifies this beast with one popularly known as the Antichrist. The Antichrist only appears in the Bible five times in four verses, all in 1 John and 2 John. Uh, so the Antichrist is opposite of Jesus. He isn't instead of Jesus. Most people have focused on the idea of the opposite Jesus. This was this has made them think that the Antichrist will appear as a supremely evil person, like dressed in, you know, spikes and horns and breathing fire. It's not the opposite of Jesus. It's not Jesus's love, so he's evil. Actually, um, it is it is instead of Jesus. So basically they believe that what he will do is he'll look wonderful, charming, successful. He will ultimately look like a winner and an angel of light. Uh, John spoke of the Antichrist and he talked about the spirit of the Antichrist, that some people will have the spirit of the Antichrist. So let's talk about this. Hitler, spirit of the Antichrist. Nero, Caesar, uh, Stalin. They had the spirit of the Antichrist. 
you can have a little a antichrist, which is you are anti everything Christ. Then there will be a big a antichrist. And if Satan were to have a son, the antichrist would be like Satan's son. But here's the thing. It's often thought that the Antichrist will be on the scene and that Satan will overtake him. That he won't be born of Satan by some Satan-worshipping woman. He'll be born, he'll start to come into power, and then Satan will take over. Basically, what Jesus was asked to do in the wilderness, like, if you just bow down to me, Satan, I'll give you all of the kingdoms. This man will start out maybe as a human who, well, as a human for sure, but maybe as just a normal person that Satan overtakes. Then it says, now the beast, which I saw like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, his mouth like the mouth of a lion, the dragon gave him his power. So Satan gave him his power, his throne and great authority. Satan gives him, gives him the option. He takes it. He gives him great power. The first three animals are a lion, which in Daniel is the picture of the Babylonian empire. And John is always trying to give people examples. Like right now we'd say, you know, strong like China, you know, crashed economy like America. So the lion is Daniel's representation of the Babylonian empire. A bear is a picture of the Medo-Persian empire, which now is Iran. Persia became Iran in present day. And a leopard was a picture of the Greek empire. So the fourth animal, it was dreadful and it was an indescribable beast which shared, shared the most terrifying characteristics of the previous beast, yet represented the final world empire under the leadership of a satanic dictator. So it's saying like Babylon, the bear, like Persia or Iran, uh, that was the bear, Daniel the lion. And like the Greek empire, the leopard. Now this final one will be one that we can't even imagine. Okay. So when we hear about Adolf Hitler and people have said, was he the antichrist? Well, obviously he wasn't, but he had the spirit of antichrist. He was everything against Christ. Uh, so there could be different people and what they could be doing is just, just um, preparing the way. But here's the interesting thing. This Antichrist will not come across like Hitler. This Antichrist will not come across like a jerk. He'll come across like a great savior. In fact, it says, uh, we saw one of his, as I saw one of his heads as it has been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast. They're gonna see him wounded. This is what I put in my notes. My thoughts. Could this be the economy is badly wounded? And I'm not talking, is it Trump? Is it the US and badly? I'm saying, could it be a country's or a world's economy is badly wounded? Because another sign of the time is that we're going to have a one world government and a one, but before that, we're going to have um, a cashless society. So could the economy, because actually one of the beasts, which we're not going to even get to the other, the other beast right now, the false prophet, there's the dragon, Satan, there's the antichrist, which is one beast, then there's the other beast, which is the false prophet, I don't even have time to get to today, I can tell, that's the unholy trinity. The false prophet will be more of like a spiritual leader who, again, bows down to Satan, probably because it'll give him more power or he's disillusioned by Satan. And he encourages people to follow the Antichrist, the first beast. 
So there'll be this person who, the, the Antichrist, who is badly wounded. Well, is the economy badly wounded? And he comes in and he makes a way to heal the economy. And it looks like a miracle to people. Then people begin to say, wow, he's amazing. The other thing I want to say before I start taking questions is that when people have bowed down to something, it's not been to an empire. It's not been to an entire government. It's been to one person. That's why, and that's just across the board. That's why cult leaders, it's one person. And probably that's because we have this longing for a connection with a Messiah. These people will view him as the Messiah. Now, I believe that the rapture will come. We won't, we'll be alive or the, you know, the tribulation will happen and the rapture will happen once the Antichrist is probably already born. But he won't come to power and be as well known until the rapture of the church because we would know better. But those who are still on earth, who had all the warning, who should have changed by now, they will be disillusioned. And when all of us disappear in the rapture, they're going to say that wasn't real. But this guy is the Messiah because now they're going to be looking for a Messiah. They're going to be looking for someone to lead them. Could the cryptocurrency, uh, like one businessman said three years ago, this is from a businessman, not a Christian at all. He said three years ago, there will soon need to be a banking overlord and everyone will bow down. And he was saying, like, this will be good when there is a cryptocurrency, which we're already working in cryptocurrency. I found out today as I was watching something that Wisconsin in 2017, 2017, Wisconsin had implants of a chip right here in the palm, like in the, the skin part of between your thumb and your pointer finger for employees to be able to access the building um, and leave the building and access their computer. And it it's a company in Wisconsin. Four years ago, that happened. Three years ago, that happened. We also know that the patent 2020-06-06-06 was patented through Microsoft uh, for the cryptocurrency that we would contain in our own body, the size of a piece of rice. And it, but here's the thing, out of the life we're living right now, doesn't it seem more convenient that these people don't need a key card to get in their business in Wisconsin, that you can keep track of our vaccination records? If we're in a car accident, you could know, the, the EMT could know, like, don't give them that, it will kill them because the they can scan the medical record. In fact, that isn't me making that up. Sean and I, uh, two falls ago now, um, a year and a half ago, we took a class called Waves of Disruption. It was artificial intelligence. And it was talking about how technology disrupts the way we live life. And it was talking about um, identification, which they can do by points in our face. But it also talked about how what would be good besides cryptocurrency and the supply chain and all that is that if people could be uh, could have something implanted in them so that we're not dealing or relying on paper medical records. Because think of the files and files of medical records. And then if you're in a car accident and you're not wearing your bracelet that says you're allergic to something, you could be given a medication or something could could cause death. And all they needed to know was they needed to scan your uh, uh, your body to find out your medical history. Here's the thing. A cure to... The pandemic and many pandemics, the cure to um, the vaccination problem and also contact tracing 
could be logically for so many people that we must all get the vaccine, that we must all be trackable and traceable, because how can you expect that even if you have proof on your cell phone that you've had the vaccine and you try to show that to get into a public place, even a restaurant or for sure a church, what's to say I don't have somebody else's phone? What's to say um, I didn't? I don't forget my phone at home. I can't find my phone. I don't have a phone anymore. The economy is, is broken. People can't afford cell phone plans anymore. Just get that tech technology in your hand. Okay, I didn't even get to the blasphemy of the false prophet. I plan to get there. There was too much today. Thanks for joining me today. For more great content like this, check out Cheery Conversations, available on all podcast platforms. You can also go to sunnyhennessy.com to connect with me and find out all the things going on in my head at all times. See you next week.